0: She loves herself with Jill Ritchie, showing you how to embrace vulnerability and unearth your power within.
1: Good morning, everyone. We're back. We are back, baby. It's season five, and oh my goodness, I'm so, so happy that I am bringing season five, you know, to you, to your ears. Um, there is a mix of everything in this season and as I was reflecting the other day, I was journaling and really feeling into gratitude and I think it's so important that we as human beings celebrate our wins. When I created this podcast, you know, it was just it was a dream in the beginning and now I'm on season five and not only do I have another season of the most epic guests, some of these guests actually reached out to me, their team, their team reached out to me to come on She Loves Herself, the podcast. I'm thinking that's when you know you're doing something right. Um, and I couldn't be happier. Um, Season four was all about sex, intimacy and relationships. Season five, we have a bit of that in there, but we have some other things in there too. It's a real blend and a real mix and it's definitely in alignment, guys. So I just hope that you all get something from it. And what I would say is if you get something from it, amazing. Take what you can and take what resonates and everything else. Leave it behind, right? It might resonate further down the line. Not everything that I need to say resonates with you. you know, my goal is that at least some of it does. Um, but take what you need and leave the rest. Um, before I go into my very first guest of season five and explain to you who she is and what she does, I want to quickly tell you about my brand new the Empowered Women Authentic Success 10-week coaching program that is starting in May so this will be the fourth time that I've run this I'm just about to finish cohort three with the most incredible ladies these women are phenomenal I was actually really buzzing last night because I recorded with them. We had our um, our coaching call number nine, number nine of 10. And um, we finish up next week. So when we finish up next week, we then record our podcast episode, which is going to you know, be streamed to all of you guys. And you're going to be able to hear from these incredible women. But what really blows my mind with this group is the way that they have really leaned into vulnerability. I record and I've created 10 modules, 10 lessons, and they have worked their way through them. Not only have they worked their way through them, they have really embodied the work, embodied everything. Um, And this is it. This is the changes that I'm seeing with these women, the way that they are now loving themselves. They're not focusing on all of the things out with themselves. They have worked their way through the lessons and they have learned to lean in to self-love, to self-trust, to self-honour. And as a byproduct, things on the outside world are really changing for them. So if you feel like you would like to be part of this, it is my signature programme. There's nothing else like it out there. Um It's been created by me. Um, If you feel that you would like to be part of that, then the doors are open to enrol. You guys, I only take six people through this. I only opened the doors and put out two posts last week and three of those spaces have gone already. So there is only three spaces left. So if you do want it, do not sit on the fence. Don't delay. Please reach out. You will work through everything everything and more. Um, But your results that you will achieve are, yeah, they're just epic, you guys. So drop me an email, hello at jill-richie.com or head over to um, my website, www.jill-richie.com or you can message me on Instagram at justjillcoaching and we can organise a 15, 20 minute discovery call to see if it is for you. Okay, enough of that. Let's talk about my guest, my guest number one for season five. Whoa, empowered woman, entrepreneur, and co founder of Mind Valley, Christina Mandriacchiani. So I chat to Christina about self love, perfectionism, daily struggles, self trust, female authenticity. And learning to trust yourself. So, Christina is just such a wonderful guest to have on. I have, I have been part of Mind Valley and done their training for the last four years. I mean, I have learned so much from their training material. They have the most amazing coaches, world-renowned coaches and entrepreneurs. I mean, I did, <laughs> I did. Um, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind with T car That was part of Mind Valley. I trained with him around my money mindset. So I learned from him. Um, oh my God, to name but a few, there is so many. And to be speaking to Christina, who created, who co founded this with her husband Vision, it's just epic to have this incredible human being um on the podcast. I mean, Christina is also um about to release her brand new book, The Art of Being Flawsome. And in her book, she really helps you go through the process of finding your way back to you. This is everything I am all about in More Ladies, isn't it? Um, From waking up from the delusion of chasing success, giving up perfectionism, to finding courage to be completely honest with yourself. And finally, finding kindness in your heart to love and accept yourself unconditionally. This lady is speaking my language. I know you're going to love this episode. So without further delay, let's go in.
0: She Loves Herself with Jill Ritchie.
1: Welcome to She Loves Herself, Christina Mandlakiani.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, it is an absolute pleasure to have you. Um, I'm so grateful that you are here. And um, I know for sure, after following you and um, doing a little bit of research on you, that my listeners are going to really connect with you and get so much connection and wisdom um, and yeah, I just really feel the feels with this one. I had a really lovely calming feeling when I woke up this morning um, knowing that this episode is just going to really flow. So um, thank you for saying yes to coming on.
0: Thank you. I, I do hope it works out. We'll see. <laughs> Live I know. <laughs> I feel like you're
1: right up there, Christina. You're like, well, no pressure. Come on. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, I would love you just for anyone who doesn't know who you are. I'd love you to just share in a you know in a few sentences who you are and what it is that you actually,
0: what you specialize in, what you do. It's um, you know I've I've given quite a few interviews so when I have to share about myself I usually uh, repeat some points from my official bio (laughs) because I've I've heard it so many times told uh, told to me Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, I'm I'm in business I'm entrepreneur that's my main activity right now Uh, and uh, I'm a co-founder of Mind Valley which is one of Mm. the biggest uh, transformational and personal growth. education companies in the world so we work with some of the most famous authors and uh, I've actually shifted from just being entrepreneur and working in marketing to becoming one of the authors um, that happened about five years ago so um, while I'm an entrepreneur I also am an uh, author and I am finishing up my first book (laughs) and I'm a speaker occasionally
1: (laughs) and I do (laughs) Wow, oh my goodness. And as soon, you know, obviously, Mind Valley is <laughs> so well known. I have been learning so much um, and, and so many teachings from Mind Valley since I started my journey over four years ago. So, you are absolutely right. And you do have the most incredible teachers. Um, mm. spiritual teachers, um, authors on there. I have learned so much from your platform Mind Valley over the last few years. So thank you so much for co-creating that absolute <laughs> empire that has helped, you know, millions, probably millions of people across the globe. And now more than ever, we need that, right? We need that space to go to where we Um, can connect with who we are, who we are to our core, our authentic self, how we can heal, how we can learn and how we can start to navigate our way through challenging times, but also not just the challenging times, you know, ways that we can really start to identify who we are and who we were, you know, who we were born to be uh, in this lifetime. There's mm-hmm. so many different things that you have in there. Like right away, I'm thinking about the 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 work that when I studied the Jeffrey Allen work, the nice. Melissa Peer work, um, the conscious uncoupling work. I'm like, oh my goodness, there's just so much on there, guys. So if you are not, now I know that so many of you listening to this will know who Mind Valley are, that they have an amazing monthly membership and you mm-hmm. get so much. Like that blows my mind what you get for your monthly membership with Mind Valley.
0: Thank you, thank you so much for doing my job of advertising. <laughs> yes, you get. Uh, we we have switched to membership um, recently, and we because we decided that personal growth and transformation is not uh, the path of just uh, solving certain problems in your life. Like you get a problem, you solve it, and then uh, and then you keep keep doing what you do. So because we wanted to be more of a uh, profound change, more of a life, uh, lifestyle change, so we we decided to shift for uh, towards uh, membership which means that you have access to everything essentially you pay for for a month or for a year and you get access to all the teachers and all the courses but thanks for (laughs) thanks for giving this opportunity
1: well christine i'm going to be honest it's easy to promote something when you are a Mm. huge advocate of it like it's easy to do that for me because I've, i've i've been on your platform for a long time now and i've learned so much so that's really easy for me when i really believe in something easy to, easy to promote it for you. So um, you touched on your book there. Okay. Yeah. So I'd love to just, let's just dive into that. Okay. (laughs) The Art of Being Flossom. I love the title.
0: Yeah, that's the working title. I guess the marketing team will tell me (laughs) if it works.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So talk to us about that. So what, Led you to create the book because I know that they always say there's a book in everyone, right? <laughs> w- what was it at this point that you decided? Right, I am gonna, I'm gonna put pen to paper, <laughs> and I'm gonna create this book.
0: Oh, it's it's an interesting question because we can talk about the book and about pr- the process of coming up with the book. I I don't like absolutes generally, so mm-hmm. I I'm sorry to burst to the bubble, but I don't think that there's a book in every single person. There are books. Mm-hmm. The question is, you know, can you see it? Uh, can you accept it? Can you live with it? Do you see the need to actually express it? So, yeah, definitely. Every person is unique. Every person is beautiful. Every person has the value. But it's the journey of actually coming to terms with what what you, you have to give to the world. So. Uh, I'll, I'll maybe take a few steps back to explain the background of how, how this happened. So being in personal growth uh, for now 19 years, uh, obviously a lot of my friends and mentors and um, Business advisors would say you have to become an author, you have to have a course, you have to write a book. So people keep saying that. And usually the logic is that if you end that business, don't you have something to share as well, mm-hmm. uh, which is true. And there are a lot of books. And uh, sorry, uh, because I'm in that industry, I believe I, I can be critical a little bit. I, I mean, yeah, I'm not <laughs> really allowed to be critical. We speak a little our
1: bit. truth. We speak our truth on
0: this podcast. Hopefully. Oh my! That's the thing. That's my opinion, of course. But in my opinion, there are there is hot air out there as well. So emptiness in in some sense. Because if you approach a book just as a business model, then yes, you might give some value and it might be okay. But it's not quite the same as when you actually birth a book, which comes from a completely different motivation and completely different place. So as a perfectionist and a straight A student, and I call it a Hermione syndrome. So I'm a little bit like a Hermione. I could have written a book 10 years ago, and it would have been good. But my curse is uh, pathologic honesty, at least with myself. So I, I, I've, I've done that before. I have created a course, uh, which I created as, as a perfectionist, as a Hermione, uh, based on everything that I know, and it was good but it wasn't an expression of me. It was just good reiteration, regurgitation of everything. I'm in this industry. Guys, you can give me any topic. I can have an opinion and tell you something. But uh, it was uh, actually in terms of time, uh, it was very similar journey to yours because you say that you started finding a path back to you in 2017. And that was approximately that time for me as well. Well, when I, I felt that things are happening. So when I wrote a book, um, I was ready for that. I couldn't hold it in anymore. It's like when you're pregnant (laughs) for Months. You know, there is a child, but you can't deliver it before it's ready. But when it's ready, you can't hold it in. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's that's how I see uh, a book for myself. It's my my expression of me. And I couldn't hold it in anymore because it was ready. It was ready to see the world. Um, what's the book about? It's about uh, finding your way back to you.
1: <laughs> yes,
0: I love
1: this. I love everything that you just said there. Um, the first thing is that you you know the, the saying there's a book in everyone well actually there may be but not everyone's ready to you know to go there. And also I love that you said that you the, the book before it you know good, but actually this feels so the word that's coming up is really true and authentic and connected and you can feel that as you talk the energy around it is um yeah it's right in here right I'm like oh yeah Mm -hmm. that's the authenticity around it you know I I talk a lot about authenticity and um choosing authenticity over attachment and and so on and I want to just touch on that because Mm -hmm. you talk about um understanding um yourself and coming sort of back to yourself and almost really finding out who you are and I think sometimes and not until we let go or have that willingness to let go of attachment of what we thought we should be or how we should show up you know almost like that rebirth you know the, the chrysalis period comes and then the, the, the almost the, the rebirth comes and that's why I don't know I'm maybe off track here with Your book, but there just feels like there's something much deeper in there.
0: Well, it is about authenticity, so it's essentially, of course. Uh, And I do, I do come back to it all the time. Um, Yeah, yeah, so we can talk about that. Yeah, let's go there. So, what about
1: like, so when, why now with the authenticity part? Sorry, why, why now coming out with Ah. the authenticity part? Why is that more as important now? Mm-hmm. And maybe before,
0: yeah. It's um, I think it's always important, but um, and I, I, could, uh, I could approach this topic from so many different angles. But uh, the idea, actually, why I come back to the authenticity, is is maybe a little bit philosophical. So I, I hope you you don't mind. Uh, I believe that your relationship with the world is a, rela- is a reflection of your relationship with yourself. And um, essentially, my journey of being an author started with uh, the topic of happiness. And uh, loving yourself was just one of the aspects of happiness, which it truly is. Uh, but somehow, uh, it just became clear over time that uh, you can only truly be happy, fulfilled, uh, have a meaningful life, if you can figure out that relationship with yourself first, uh, if you can come to peace with yourself first, then then it's so much easier to interact with the rest of the world. So I guess the timing, wasn't really planned in any way, but it's just a logical, uh, logical um, sequence of events. I first, uh, I first asked myself, why, why am I, um, why do I think that my personal happiness is irrelevant or secondary, or uh, even even the idea that uh, pursuing your own happiness is in a way selfish? And then from there, it just started, um, started uh, unfolding, and I do believe that. Um, coming to peace with yourself or or sorting out your most important relationship for the relationship with yourself is super important for so many areas in your life. So because I'm in personal growth and transformation, I really believe that's where the transformation starts Mm -hmm. and everything else uh, it becomes easy and and, and different. So I guess um, it's a very superficial answer to your question, why now? Uh, But I would like to end it with a quote by Oscar Wilde. I think he's uh, brilliant when it comes to life wisdoms. He says, uh, uh, love for yourself is the beginning of a lifelong romance. (laughs) So why not start personal growth with the most important thing, love for yourself, and then figure out everything else?
1: Of course, it is. I say this too. It's like everything else is a byproduct. Once we get that, everything else is a beautiful byproduct, and we become less attached when we come back to the self. And what does this mean for me? I think that there is just so much attachment to fitting in, to being accepted, to being loved, that we forget that. We forget that love and connection with ourselves. We almost give our power away to other people because I guess we just want to we want to be socially accepted. We want to fit in. We want to be loved. And we often neglect that part. Um, the most important part, which is loving ourselves. We give. Yeah, we we just tend to
0: forget that piece. I actually think that uh, in a way it's a natural consequence of the way that society has uh, evolved. Uh, we have certain um, traditions and roles uh, to play, and uh, there are certain um, expectations. So basically, it all starts with a very simple thing: you have to fit in uh, socially and culturally—not culturally, but culturally, more, more like to be polite, right? So when the child is small, we tell the child to behave in a certain way, to to dress in a certain way, to speak mm-hmm. in a certain way. So we we learn the rules of the games, how to how to wear the masks. How how to play the roles, uh, how to uh, fit into the circumstances, but very often uh, with that um, education, uh, the the knowledge of how to how to unmask and how to uh, how to appreciate what is hiding behind that socially acceptable mask that is lacking. So we are, uh, as I like to say, uh, we are often told how not to feel. But we are never told how to feel. And that's, of course, that's an association. It's not directly uh, connected to, to your authenticity and to you knowing what you are. But uh, it, it it works the same way. You're told not to cry, not to feel sad, not to feel worried, not to do this, not to do that. But nobody ever tells you like, oh, you're angry. Let's feel the anger properly. Mm-hmm. Without damage yeah. to the world, without damage to you, right? So it's that's so it is. It, of course, like anything, it it starts with good intentions. Because when you go to a restaurant with a small child, of course you want your small child to, to be quiet and not to run around and not to annoy other guests. But when we tell the child to behave, we don't tell the child that you are right now wearing the social role of a polite child. But that's not what you are. You're just behaving that way in these circumstances because this is the proper way to behave in certain circumstances. Mm. And when you come home, you don't tell your child, like, you did such a good job behaving so well. Do you want now to scream and run like crazy?
1: Yeah. Do you want to have that tantrum now?
0: (laughs) Yes. We're not told that.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and, and it reminds me, I had a, a one-to-one session with a client this morning and I had her go and have an adult tantrum. And it was for the, <laughs> like an absolute adult tantrum, like as a child, we did a supermarket or whatever, you know, <laughs> but because we have suppressed so many emotions as children, we know that, you know, it, it gets stored in the body and, and um that energy just builds up and we need to just go in and and allow ourselves to feel those feelings like anger. You know, like you, you mentioned that no one wants to feel anger. There, there's so much fear around different kinds of emotions. I'd love to know from you on a personal level. When what was the turning point for you then when you started to almost discover? You know, you, you mentioned that sort of 19 years, you've 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 started your journey of understanding yourself more, I guess, in 19 years. Was it a turning point for you? You know, how did you get into personal development then? Mm.
0: Well, uh, you have to understand the background to... Uh to appreciate that the thing is that i didn't choose personal growth i was born in soviet union and um both business and personal growth were not really part of my uh my reality i was 14 when soviet union collapsed so actually i grew up in that environment so you might say that my personality formed in a completely different uh place you can uh well if you if you follow the politics russia is going back to something like that so if you want to appreciate the environment where i grew up Mm -hmm. so i ended up in personal growth and in business um because um, my husband of that time, vision, um, that was his passion. And I was just, um, just a companion on that journey. My personal, uh, of course, I got interested in certain topics and in certain teachings along the way, because that would be a little bit tragic if I if I did it just, <laughs> just mm-hmm. as a companion or just for money. Uh, but my own personal turning point uh, on this path, the path of uh, becoming honest with myself, uh, happened uh, at around 40-ish. I uh, lived a perfect life as a perfectionist, uh, so I had uh, a business, a comfortable life, a husband, two children, not just two children i have a boy and a girl so it's all by the book you know perfect Mm -hmm. and uh I, i like to call it a perfectly instagrammable life and with all of that i somehow felt discontent and um there have been moments where i felt so frustrated and and uh unhappy even but that would have been half the problem. The real problem was that I was beating myself up up for feeling discontent, because there was this guilty feeling: you have a perfect life. What's wrong with you? Why do you feel like this? So um, I just started digging from there. You know, I started asking questions, and and I got through my journey of of being of having my anxieties, my depressions, learning the emotions. Uh, it it was a scary journey. I. I think it's not ended completely. Ended uh, along the way, things changed, um, and uh, yeah, that's that's the cognitive dissonance which kicked me or jump-started me onto the path of of figuring out what is going on, why do I feel the way I feel, uh, and why do I think that how I feel is not supposed to be.
1: Mm, thank you so much for sharing that. I think there's so many people can relate. I can definitely relate to everything that you said. I, at 37, mum of two, um, a good job. I do the little, a good job in corporate leadership. And I remember reading my life, per, like to myself, not to anyone else, a three out of 10. Yeah. And I lived in a beautiful home. I had nice holidays. I had a nice car, all the things. Gorgeous children. And the guilt I felt after that, going on that journey of real healing and understanding um, because I didn't even know who I was. So although I, I, I couldn't say I was unhappy because there was nothing major that I would say I was unhappy with, there was just a series yeah, three of... Three out of ten? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and I couldn't understand why I was unhappy at the time. I, I knew that I didn't really like my job. I knew that I felt confused. Um but on the paper, I had all the things that you were supposed to be happy with. Yeah, I never felt that way. And fast forward, you know, four and a bit years now, and I've, I am, yeah, I've still in the same house, still got the same children, same partner. All the stuff's, yeah, stuff's the same. But the way I feel when I started to really see myself almost for the first time and do the work, it's not an easy journey, though, and you mentioned that, right? It's not an easy journey when you go on it. And I love that you said you're still on it because that's authentic to me <laughs> for someone to to stand, because a lot of people will look at you <laughs> they get this, and they'll they think that you've got it all together but I love that you said that. That's true authenticity. To I, think, so
0: I think it would be a tragedy if I said that I'm done, because I, I do. I, I still hope to live quite a lot of years, and can imagine if you don't change in those years. But it's you know I I think I get it. Uh, we uh, often our decorations still the same uh, are still the same and you can um you can look at people with exactly the same circumstances in life but their quality of life is very different the experience of life is very different so it's not really about your decorations just because you're going on the journey of self-discovery doesn't mean you're going to uh divorce like i did or give up your career like some people have done uh and uh, move to another country not not at all you may stay in exactly the same deck Operations as before, but your experience of life is going to be different, or maybe different. So, in my case, quite a lot of things surprisingly stayed the same, um, despite uh, despite um, there being a lot of dramatic changes. Um, but it's more it's more how I feel on a daily basis, how yeah. I. Uh, I think this journey is, uh, we, we're sometimes so stuck on things which are understandable and tangible, like career, money, it's, it's just easy to understand and quantify that. And we disregard the things which are, um, which actually make the juice of our life, because there's a difference between a day and a day. You can have exactly the same day with exactly the same experiences, the same friendly and the same unfriendly people, mm. uh, the same job tasks, but you can experience it so differently depending on how you see the world how you view the world at that time so i I wouldn't be stuck too much on the decorations of your life but more of how do you uh, how do you enjoy it as you're going through it
1: yeah for sure and how how would you say someone does then when they are in say for example you know and i'd love you i'd love you to to share with us because i know that you and vision separated well consciously uncoupled and i have been talking a little bit about this recently because i see a lot of couples in relationships that have been together for you know 10 15 20 20 plus years and um they believe that you know or maybe the intimacy piece is gone there there's some things that aren't really working they struggle with communication however there's such a fear of separation there's a fear of breaking down a family you know how will the kids respond and and I know for sure I my partner and I we've had you know couple coaching we've we've been through quite a lot together and before that I had this belief that if I was to separate from my partner then I'm ruining lives my children now I don't see that right but for someone who's actually gone through the process of consciously uncoupling how did that How did that all unfold? And, you know, was it a case that, you know, you went, okay, we're, you know, we're we're going to consciously uncouple. How did that, how did that all sort of unfold for you guys and you maintain this lovely, you know, connection and relationship? If you do. (laughs)
0: Uh, Well, uh, first, I don't normally speak about relationships because it's not, it's just not the topic that I research enough to, to, to share advice. So the only thing I can do in this field is share my own personal experience. So not like a generic advice or lessons. Uh, Also, I'm not as romantic. It is a divorce the way it is. And divorce comes with, uh, with splitting a lot of things. Uh, So uh, while it's nice to sometimes pretend that it is something uh, very different and uh, Spiritual, but essentially, it's uh, it is a divorce. Uh, I do believe that the process is pretty much uh, on one side. Like we've we've, we've crossed this thing. Um, it's just how willing you are to keep it uh, t- to keep it uh, the best for everyone, because there are when 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 you separate separa- separating with someone, you uh, have the choice of of uh, of holding on to uh, your uh, wounds and hurts and 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 carrying them with you into the new experience or you can uh, you can focus on something else uh, of course it's been uh, I've, I've had my my emotional moments and, and I've uh, been angry and upset of course like everyone I believe probably vision too although we haven't discussed the experience of consciousness in conflict with him per se but if you're afraid of um, of of um, your decorations changing because of that, then that's not a necessary uh, uh, it's not a necessary um, accessory of that process. Uh, We are uh, still co-parenting. We go, um, on Sunday we went to the cinema together. We spent children's holidays mostly traveling together, of course, travels by himself I travel by myself but for children uh, things haven't changed for our parents things haven't changed for our um, employees things haven't changed for a lot of people things haven't changed because we chose both of us it's not one uh, sided choice but both of us chose and prioritized that normalcy enough uh, over over how we personally might feel and here that's the difference between between um, humans and all the other living creatures on this planet we all have emotions and uh, i am i'm all pro emotions but you can as a human being you can uh, create a pause between what you feel and how you act you can feel your emotions Mm -hmm. but you can choose to act out of your values so if you, and, and uh, I, I love Catherine Woodward Thomas's work, who teaches uh, a very structured approach to conscious uncoupling. But even if you don't go by that path, if you can remember your values and if you can uh, keep that pause between how you feel and how you act, you will be able to act out of your values. And if your value is to keep it normal for your family, you will manage. It's doable.
1: Oh, wow. Beautiful advice, really beautiful advice, and I love that you said that. Um, Everything you said there, because I think people think they have to choose one or the other, (laughs) and actually, you you don't. And again, it goes back to that learning. More about yourself and and connecting more with yourself and your own needs, your own values, your own deep desires, the truth about you, your authenticity, rather than what you think you should be doing,
0: what is true to you. Um, yeah, I think I think it's uh, not even so much learning as it is trusting. Trusting, and that's the, that's the, that's the difference because. Uh, you're a complex thing and you will keep learning about yourself as long as time goes. As a very simple example, I thought I had learned so much as a process of our conscious uncoupling or whatever was happening. I mean, I turned 40 uh, a few years ago and that was also a learning process. And then suddenly the war broke breaks up between Russia and Ukraine and I learned <laughs> completely new things about myself which were not even on the agenda uh, a month ago. So the learning process is always there. The question is, can you trust your Self to go into that, that learning process. Can you go there without judgment? Can you go there with unconditional love? Can you go there as if you treated yourself like your beloved child? People who have children will get it because I th- think the the closest we get to unconditional love and it comes natural to us, is when we love our children. Again, there are, of course, exceptions and crazy parents who love themselves forever. But if you imagine someone that you love the most, whether it's a child or for someone else, it may be something else. It may be a a dog or a horse or a plant. But if you imagine someone that you love unconditionally, you are going to take them with their flaws and imperfections. And, you know, with children, it's particularly easy to uh, illustrate. There is a mistake that a lot of parents do with their children, they negotiate for love. If you behave well, you're a good child. Mm -hmm. Oh, you behaved bad, mommy is angry. Mommy's upset. You make mommy feel bad. So we negotiate for love. We say, we tell children, um, you have to be perfect to deserve love. Yeah, kids condition. And we do that to ourselves too. So with children, we we see, especially if it's not our children, we see how damaging it is. And for a child's psyche, for child's development, the best thing we can do is to accept the child, not just... When they're perfect, but to accept them when they're making mistakes, when they're imperfect, um, to be there for them, because who else is going to be there for them? My oldest son has Asperger's. Could I ever say that I would love Hayden more if he didn't have it? (laughs) It's ridiculous. Mm. I love him, not despite it. I love him with it and because of it, because he is what he is because of his condition. But we don't do that to ourselves. To ourselves, we do the 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 other scenario. You will only deserve your own love if you're perfect. And that's and that's and and people are afraid to love themselves unconditionally because I, I've taught self-love for such a long time and I know all the things that they have to throw at me. Isn't it going to be selfish? Am I not going to be complacent and stop developing? No. It's the opposite. It's the distortion of the understanding of self-love when you think that self-love is selfish, that self-love is too much, that self-love is complacent, that it's stopping you from developing. You are not developing not because you love yourself. You're not developing because you don't love yourself enough to trust that you can challenge yourself. It's like with children. A child doesn't develop only because... like I, I was a perfectionist. I know how it is. I'm afraid of competition. If I can avoid it, I will because... Even the second place is not an option for me. When you have that pressure to be perfect, you're going to, to, to withhold yourself from going out there and trust uh, and, and trying. The child develops when the parent goes, try. If you fail, I love you still. Yeah. Oh, oh
1: felt that emotion there. That's so
0: much.
1: Oh, um, I definitely parent my children different now to what I did four years ago, Christina. Mm-hmm. And I, I've never sort of, my sister's a com- competitive, <laughs> making place not good enough. For me, I'm like, oh, whatever. She, even as children, she used to make me race her friend's little sisters. I, I'm going to race her. You race the sister at swimming and you better win. And, you know, it was, I was always like, I don't care. I was not that way, but for her, and it, we had this conversation actually last week, and she, we were walking together, my sister's two years older than me, and she said, I'll I look back now and I don't know why. I used," to, She said, I used to even say to my friend, silly things like, my mum's better than your mum. <laughs> yes.
0: my,
1: my grandma's nicer than your grandma. Isn't she? And she said, I used to get my friend to say, yeah, she is. <laughs> she said, I just had to, I just had to feel that, you know, and, and and i I know where that comes from now, and and we talked and and she knows, but at the time at that pressure, you know, when you talked about being a perfectionist, um do you always remember being a perfectionist, even as a child then, Christina?
0: well i used to call myself uh recovered perfectionist but then i realized you don't really recover from it so for me it was the next level uh i recognized that yes i'm perfectionist and you can try to improve it or you can just coexist with it i know i'm perfectionist and i can feel when it kicks in and then i remind myself like do you do you need perfection or do you do you want to enjoy your life? And it's not about giving up the things. The thing is that people often obsess, but you have to win. No, it's not about how you win or how often do you win or, uh, or do you win. It's about what do you do when you don't win? Mm. Is it going to put you in a depression? Is it going to uh, throw you off on a spiral of self hate and self loathing? Mm. Or is it going to be the moment for you to ask yourself, okay, why didn't I win? Why is it important for me to win? Why do I feel the way I feel? What does it tell me about me, about my values? What do I want to change? Do I want to change anything about it? That's the, that's the point. It's not the point to, to, to be always right. I love, I love how Havecker, one of the teachers, but he says it in a different context. He says, you can be right, but you can be happy. It's as simple as that. Yeah. And I do believe we think that you know, achievement is the ultimate goal. I think the ultimate goal is to be at peace with yourself. Because we don't do bad things to other people because like, we, we talk about, uh, you know, love of power and whatnot. That all comes from lack of self-love. If people just mm. learn to love themselves, they wouldn't have the need to go and prove anyone wrong or prove anyone that they're better or expect someone to, 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 to love them. I think self-love is, is the thing that's going to change the world. And actually, when you love yourself and you focus on the things that you love, then you can truly, truly Make a huge change in the world because there are there. That's a slightly different uh, topic, but when it talk when when you talk about achievement, you know we are taught that success is when you work on your weaknesses. But it, and and as a as a straight A student, I know when my mom went to school, she was told Christina is good in all the subjects, but her grammar is really lacking. Maybe she should work more on that. And you know you focus on things that you are weak at. Mm-hmm. although of course 20 years later we have uh, autocorrect editors that have access to people actually uh, you know and, and to resources and I'm actually pretty grammatically pretty <laughs> pretty good I'm talking about Russian language actually not yeah. English. but imagine if when my mom came to school the teacher didn't say what I'm bad at but the teacher said you know she's actually doing well but she seems to really love uh, physics why doesn't she spend more time doing something that she loves Mm. We don't get time to do what we love because we're working on weaknesses. We're working on mm. on some kind of race without realizing that sometimes if you just give everything up and do something that you love and you're good at, that's when you can become genius and world class.
1: Oh yeah. For a oh, mic drop moment. <laughs> oh, mic drop. So true. So true. I, I was never, you know, so opposite to you. I was never really academic at school, but I was so creative. But when I was at school, that wasn't seen as a good thing. You know, I loved, you know, art and painting and um, dance and drama and movement. And I, I loved English. So storytelling, writing. So in terms of academic official subjects, I was good at English. Everything else, I just didn't really like it. And so you get kind of get written off. You know, when I, I think we may, may be similar ages, but you kind of got written off. There was no expectation, but because there was no expectation placed on me, I kind of got life to do my thing. And it was like, <laughs> well, you know, whatever. Whereas my sister was more academic and I think she felt that pressure, although it never really came from my mum. But it's interesting because when you're always looking for the things that are, like you said, the weaknesses or what are deemed as weaknesses, you're always affirming to yourself, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. And there's so many things that you are incredible at, but there's that one thing, not good enough, need to do better, must do better, that pressure. And that's when we're learning to trust others' opinion or the value that they place on us more than we place, more than we value the opinion or the thoughts and feelings of ourselves. That's when we learn to not trust ourselves and to give our power away. And that self-love starts to really, really lack, um, because we think that, well, if I do this, then I'll be loved, right?
0: Well, we have, we have the whole scenario, what you're supposed to be to deserve love. We're given it very, very early in our life. And then we, we keep, yeah, you said your mom wasn't the person to push your sister. But the, that's the scary thing is that it could have come from mom or teacher, but it's not the mom or the teacher or the grandma or the father who pushes you. It's you. Mm. And you keep doing that the rest of your life yeah At least in Western society, of course, I lived in Asia for sixteen years, so I know there are circumstances where society is very oppressive. but if you're not talking to people who come from uh, well, let's say not uh, n- not a regular democratic, fairly affluent country, then it's, it's I'm sorry, but it is you who who is in your own way. Mm, yeah, and it's never going to
1: feel right. and I'll talk about this too, like. When we are trying to live our life through someone's expectations of what we or what we believe, someone's expectations of how we should be, or society thinks we should be, and then we get the result on paper, for example,
0: we still don't feel happy. I, and I, I want to maybe uh, make a remark that it's it's not even someone's expectations. Mm. Who is your first critic? That's the mm. question. Mm. Uh, it's, uh, you see, criticism or expectations have only effect on us if we see or if we relate to that or if there is a grain of truth for us in that. If I told you that your blue and green hair looks ugly, and I'm sorry for a very cliche example, you would not feel anything because you know that your hair is beautifully blonde. Mm. And you would think that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm colorblind or something is wrong with me, Right. So, and I know it's a very simple example, but yes. uh, the, the Dove uh, in France made this really beautiful experiment. And if uh, the women who are listening now, you could try it if you dare. Uh, but my, my thesis right now is that you are your first critic and you wear your own opinion about yourself like a dress. And in that opinion, you go out into the world and you teach the world you treat, to treat yourself according to how you treat yourself. So if I think I'm fat and old, I wear that opinion even if it's not visible everywhere I go and that's the treatment that I feel and that I receive and that I notice. So the back to the experiment that Dove made it I, I know it's commercialized, so we have to take it with a grain of uh, of uh, um, salt. <laughs> but basically what they did is that they asked the women to record their self. Uh, self-monologue, self-talk, mm-hmm. to record it throughout the day. So basically, they made a diary. Every time they thought something about themselves, they wrote it down in the diary. And you can imagine when you go to the uh, to the bathroom in the morning, you wake up, you go to the bathroom, what are the thoughts you think? Uh, statistics shows that women are... um I think it's 80% more uh, critical. 80% of women are self-critical, but we're massively more self-critical than men. So we look at ourselves in the mirror and what do we think? Oh my God, I look tired. I should sleep better. I should eat better. I'm too fat. I'm too wrinkly. I'm too gray, whatnot. We think all those thoughts. So the women in that experiment, they wrote down all those thoughts. So the twist in the experiment was, is that they took two actresses. Let's say you were the actress... um, the receiving actress and i was the, the the giving actress so i would read i would memorize the monologue of one of the women and the two actresses were sitting in a cafe and i would tell you you you, you look so horrible like you, all the women have beautiful curvy figures and you're flat of course nobody's going to pay attention to you and the twist of this was that the lady who wrote those thoughts was sitting next next to them, next to two act- actresses, listening to her own self-talk, spoken out to another woman as if it's me, a friend, giving you my opinion. And it was shocking. Some of the women said, you cannot talk to, uh, to your friend like this. How can you be so cruel? But the, but the grain of, uh, of genius in that experiment was that they were listening to their own so self-talk. Worse.
1: Yeah. Oh, I know. Well, oh, it is brutal, brutal the way. I mean, I've just come back from an incredible retreat and um, there's 14 women on that retreat and each of them just so beautiful in their way. But each one of them said the way that they, you know, they speak to themselves, they're, they, they, they don't trust themselves, they give their power away. And um, They don't believe in themselves um, and the lack of self-worth, self-belief. And, you know, we got to the end of it and there was just so much power and emotion when they stood up and they spoke, you know, the truth and the true essence of who they are. And they, they, it was almost like for some of them, it was for the first time they were hearing those words and believing it. But we don't do it. You know, you're right. The first thing you do, and I've done it myself and I'm so super aware of self-love. But the first thing when I'm in the, I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. Look at me. I'm so tired. My eyes are like, oh, you know, and I'm, it's not terrible, but there is still an element of, oh, God, look, wow. <laughs> but
0: the, the thing is that it's not just about appearance. Mm. We are more critical about uh, our appearance as women, but it is exactly the same monologue going on with you. If you are not performing as you would like to perform, if your business is not making the money you expected it to make, if you're not as successful as you thought you should be, Mm. if you maybe uh, were too angry and upset in a personal argument, Mm. and yet, would you tell your child like, oh my God, if you just had a good sleep and washed properly, I'd love you really. I
1: know. Yeah. How can we really unconditionally love like really <laughs> unconditionally love others when we can't fully accept and unconditionally love ourselves?
0: Well, I I think that um And I'm coming back to the same thought with which we started. Your relationship with the world is a reflection of your relationship with yourself. So it it is true. Of course, you can love your children more than you love yourself. It's just the way we are biologically wired, I think. Uh, Occasionally it happens, but still, um, my observation of the 19 years of personal growth is that it's so much easier to be kind to the world if you know how to be kind to yourself. It's so much easier to be accepting and forgiving of others if you know how to be accepting and forgiving, yes. uh, forgiving of yourself. So uh, for me, uh, my, uh, my level of irritation with the outside world is always the reflection of my level of irritation with myself. So if I notice that I get snappy, I get angry, I get, uh, excuse me, bitchy, then I, for me, that's usually the moment to slow down and ask myself, what's going on in my life? Why am I going off like this? Yeah. Uh, but uh, but, but I think the, the the one thing I wanted to stress is that, you know, don't don't blame the world for placing certain expectations on you. Yes, they do have expectations. I know that when we divorced, I heard so many expectations of other people, <laughs> what they expected of my marriage. But the point is that you wouldn't even pay attention to the expectations if you didn't buy into that. And you're buying into that because that's exactly what you tell yourself, even if you're not conscious about. Mm-hmm. You are your first critic. If you mm-hmm. think that you have to be perfect, you will see the whole world expecting that from you. Yeah. But if you think that perfection is not your goal, but being happy is your goal, because mm-hmm. that way you are much more useful to the world, you are much more enjoyable, you are much more uh, productive, then mm-hmm. nobody's expectation uh, expectation of your perfection would even bother you. Yeah, <laughs> of course, it's, it's like better, what you expect from me. Yeah. You. It,
1: um, it's almost I and mean, there's almost like an invisible boundary that's created by energy that you you just give off that vibe and energy of people just know, well, I'm not gonna be critical because there's a there's this boundary there. But, but it is that it, it's going back to really self-trust, self-forgiveness, self-love, all of those things, starting with you. Um connecting on a deeper level to yourself and understanding what your needs are and how you can meet your needs without abandoning your needs and trying to meet the needs of others so how would you suggest someone okay because I know there'll be people listening thinking oh my gosh she's speaking to me (laughs) there's so much they are how do I start Christina so how would one start to say right okay this is me everything she's saying but how do I start to trust myself? How do I start to get into that space of, okay, I'm not going to worry about what other people think. How
0: mm-hmm. does one do that? Well, I'll, I'll give another one more remark about what people think. If you have children and you have ever caught yourself in the cycle of, oh, I need to cook, I need to clean, I need to take care of them, they shouldn't be sitting in front of TV, I should be actually entertaining them more creatively, then uh, you would understand that your children don't expect anything from you except your full presence with them, even if you do nothing, even if you make animal sounds and everything around you is a huge mess and they're eating takeaway. Mm. Your children don't need your perfect household. You know that. And if you think that you're doing it for someone else, for your husband, for your children, you're lying to yourself, essentially. Yes! They don't need any of that. Ask them. Ask them. My mom used to work for an orphanage. Uh, and in, in Estonia, kids who end up in orphanage, they come from very uh, underprivileged families. Their parents are either addicts or in jail. And my mom said, after, after working there for a while, she said, I don't understand. Their parents are so messed up. But all their children want is just to be with them and to love them. They don't need perfection. They don't need relative safety and uh, and stability of an orphanage. They want to go back to their messed up parents because what they care about is just the connection with someone that they love. And that's something which we're forgetting in this civilized, sterilized, sterile world. But coming to back, back to how do you learn that? You know, in my book, it's a fairly long section. So I'm just saying that because it's um, I wouldn't be able to, to answer that question in in uh, in a few sentences Mm -hmm. but uh, I think there are three very important qualities which will help you on that journey because uh, becoming honest with yourself is not something that you can switch on and switch off yeah you can live with other people's opinions and truths but once you once you start seeing yourself for what you are once you see your own truth you won't be able to close your eyes on that and pretend that nothing happened it's like a jump with a parachute, becoming true to uh, honest with yourself or authentic, if you like that word, is like jumping out of the plane. You cannot pack up your parachute and return back to the plane. You, are, you have to land. Yeah. That's how it works. So uh, you have to ask yourself, are you ready for that? If you're ready for that, then you need three qualities. Uh, of course, you need courage. With all of that, and there was this beautiful Cinderella movie where the Cinderella's mama, uh, mama, Cinderella's mom, said to her before she died, "Have courage and be kind." I think this is one of the most uh, brilliant uh, lines in in entertainment. Be, have courage and be kind. Yes. So you need courage throughout the soul journey. You need kindness because kindness is what makes honesty uh, helpful. Honesty without kindness is mean. Kindness without honesty is meek. So kindness and honesty are two super important qualities. And together with that, you need courage because it's, it's a little scary initially, but it's worth a journey.
1: Yeah, I love that you said that about the aeroplane You can't unsee it, can you? When you go there, (laughs) I'm like that sometimes and I'm on this journey and there's some deep stuff. And I think, oh, no, I can't unsee it, but I just know. And I would say to anyone, don't don't pretend it's not there because that's what (laughs) can make us sick, right? We start to get unwell. It starts to manifest in our bodies and we can start to get physically sick, emotionally sick um because we're we're almost like trying to unsee it but we know it's there and it never fully goes away and if you want to live that life um with inner peace we talked about that peace at the beginning right inner peace when i speak to people and i've worked with so many different people um the the wealthiest financially um and when i ask them what they want they didn't say oh more money (laughs) They want inner peace. Everyone wants that inner peace. So we might, you know, I might ask someone that question to say, I want more money. I want more of this for my business. But actually when when we go a little bit deeper, it is inner peace to wake up and to feel that sense of, wow, you know, I'm really, I really love me and I honour me and inner peace. And the way to get that, as Christina said, is that willingness to go there um, and to do the work because it's not always pretty self-love. So <laughs> before we finish, self-love is not all about the bubble baths <laughs> and all the nice stuff, right? It can be painful self-love when we well, go there.
0: You know, the question is uh, is pain bad <laughs> and that could be the start of a completely different conversation. I uh, love one... Um, I had a guest, uh, some Russian young teacher, and he, he had this beautiful idea that the point of uh, of life is actually to experience it fully in its old expressions, without judgment. Like, can you feel at peace and know and know that you're in the right place, doing the right thing, even if life is, is maybe not as pleasurable? But when it comes to bubble baths, I do want to, to say that that's another distortion of self-love that I, I see a lot. We replace self-love with self-care. And, um, and I like to say, you know, you don't charge this device Oh, my kids, by the way, you don't charge a telephone out of love for this piece of machinery. You charge it because you know that it won't work if you don't charge it. So self-care is essentially like charging the phone. You need to do that. That's not the question of self-love. That's a question of you functioning. Mm. The question of self-love is something else. Can you forget to eat your proper meal? Can you make a mistake and still love yourself? Or is self-care going to be in the way of your self-love? That's the question. You need self-care, but self-love is not about that. It's like, with, again, I love to compare self-love with love for our children. You can picture this classical idea, a child born into very privileged family. Privileged family, which is too busy for the child. So they compensate the absence of, of, of them being there with 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 you know good care, good food, good house, nannies, drivers, great presence. But you know that the child will only learn to be happy when you can also give love with all of that. So self care is like all this material stuff in a child's life. Self love is just the relationship, just the knowledge, the 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 certainty that. No matter what, I'm worthy of love.
1: Wow, what an absolutely amazing conversation. Yeah, I really felt that. And I know that there's a lot of people that will really feel this, the power from this conversation around self-love and the willingness to to go in inward and like we are love to the core, even under anger, pain, all the emotions underneath it all the core. We are love. We are love. Oh, thank you so much. I want to, before we wrap up, I would love you to let our audience know when your book is being released because I need to get my hands on this
0: book. I'd love to know. <laughs> well, we're finishing the editing process right now. Uh, it the deadline is uh, end of March, so hopefully, I'm self publishing because I couldn't. It's it's a long story, but I couldn't publish a book uh, on authenticity with a publisher because the, I was like, Ah, you're not going to tell me what I'm supposed to write. Oh, really? So, yes, I love it. Ah. so because it's self-published so I, I do have a few things I have to figure out I'm going to sell it properly through Amazon obviously because I want to I want to have a chance at, at a, a bestseller but I do hope by the summer we're going to publish it because the uh, the language editing is going to be done by the end of March but there are like other things that need to be done if you want I can send you a manuscript oh
1: please <laughs> yes oh I would love that thank you so much Yeah. Yeah, I really love chatting to
0: you, Christina. And you know, and by yeah. the way, just just for you, I'll, I'll say that. I'm actually leaning towards British English for a change. Oh, <laughs> really? Yes. My British editor was so happy she's like, "I'm so happy you're using this version of the word. Yes. <laughs>
1: heard it here first (laughs) (laughs) oh wow I'd love honestly I know that you're a super busy lady and I want to just honor you and say thank you so much and again not that anyone needs permission I say this all the time you don't need permission from anyone to you know to do anything that you want to do but for someone like you showing up again giving us your authentic truth and, and wisdom it just helps so many others who aren't quite there yet say Do you know what right that's it this is it i'm gonna i'm gonna really connect with me and, and and figure out what my needs are my truth is my bloody desires are um without attachment to anyone else or anyone or anything and um, so i want to honor you for that and say thank you and i'd love to get you back on at some point because i feel like there's so many things i want to talk to you about
0: thank you so much for saying that that. its a pleasure.
1: Oh thank you so much.